got a story. I've got a story. We've got a story. I'm Brad McEwen, and I'm here to tell that story. This is Beyond the Bank. Hey there. Welcome back to another exciting episode of AB&T's Beyond the Bank, where we highlight the many amazing folks who call this community home and work diligently to ensure its bright future. Today, I'm honored to welcome my latest guest, fellow Leadership Albany board member and chair of the Albany Chamber's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force, Jaretha Peters, branch manager of Wells Fargo Advisors in Albany. Investment and insurance products are not insured by the FDIC or any federal government agency and are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by the bank or any affiliate and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of the principal amount invested. Good morning, Jaretha. Good morning, Brad. I appreciate you joining me today. It's an absolute honor. Well, it's a pleasure for me as well. Now, I just rattled off a whole lot of stuff when introducing you, and I know there are many things going on in this community that we could talk about, and you certainly have a lot of those on your plate But today, I was really hoping to talk a little bit about your growing up in Southwest Georgia, how those experiences shaped the course of your life, and then dig into the passion you have for this community and your motivation for being so involved in working to better the lives of others. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Fantastic. Now, Jaretha, before we go all the way back to the beginning, I really want to set the table for our discussion a little bit and have you tell me about some of the work that you've been doing recently especially with the Albany Area Chamber, specifically as it pertains to the DEI task force. Well, thank you, Brad. Thank you for the opportunity to share some of the things that um, the task force and myself have gotten into over the past 18 months, trying to, number one, create an opportunity for the business community that may not have been present here in times past. So a lot of that began just around conversation and dialogue to understand what the problems are, what are the opportunities that we see, and how we can move forward. So myself, along with the chamber and and some selected members, we began having conversation with area experts, conversations within ourselves of what this could look like, what would we want the chamber's involvement to be, how could we convene this opportunity Mm -hmm. to impact businesses and help shift the narrative in Albany, Georgia, as it relates to business, to making sure that we present Albany as a place that could sustain economic mobility for all of its residents. So that was at the corpus of what our goal was during that time together. And from that, we were able to produce a body of recommendations to present to the board of directors of the chamber as an opportunity that they didn't want to miss out on, that while we were in a moment in history and and socially conscious that this is the right thing to do for our community. Our community now has been um, reshaped in a way that we have an opportunity to provide some vital movement that's going to be beneficial for all. And so fortunately for the task force and myself, it was time well invested. We were able to present to the board, have healthy conversations and dialogue that they did see the need for us to move forward. And so they adopt our policies and recommendations. Fantastic. Now, you know, for those listeners who may not be as familiar with some of those Topics, diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI, but it is a hot topic nationally, globally, and locally. Give me a little bit about 
what we're talking about when those things are being discussed? You know, so that, that's a good question because there's been so much conversation that some people just may not be aware. We we, we use acronyms quite frequently. We, hyphen, we hyphenate things, we shorten it, we abbreviate it. And sometimes the true meaning gets lost in all of our conveniences, right? Yep. And so at the core of diversity, equity, and inclusion, it means making sure that we have a platform of space for all people, no matter their ethnic background, mm-hmm. that we make them well Welcome. That's the inclusion part. And then the equity is the opportunity. Right. So making sure that everybody has a fair shot. You know, everybody wants to have the opportunity. And so that's how we kind of frame the DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion framework around what we do is making sure that every citizen has an equal opportunity and a fair shot. And from the chamber's perspective, we keep on that business lens. So making sure that every person that is engaged in some level of business, has an equal opportunity towards prosperity and economic growth. Excellent. Excellent. And um, so, you know, just to make sure I'm hearing you correctly, what what we're talking about is a community initiative that's really designed to help our residents and our businesses work better together for both to prosper. Absolutely. So, you know, it's one of those situations, Brad, where everybody benefits from the top to the bottom because Changes and shifts in strategy from the business will definitely impact the consumers and the customers. And then sometimes businesses have to think in reverse. They need to think, well, should I be making some adjustments for my consumer to sustain my business? Right. So it's a situation where if everyone has this conversation, both sides win. Yep. And it's and that's why it was so imperative to present this opportunity to the board, because the chamber had the chance to position itself as the front runner to having these conversations and bringing people together because for whatever reason, some people are uncomfortable in that space and, and we get it. We recognize it. Anything sure. that's new and different sometimes has an opportunity or, or, or a fright about it just because it's unfamiliar. You know, not a lot of people like walking around in the dark yep. unless it's their home and they're... <laughs> <laughs> Because I find you can navigate your your way in the dark in somewhere familiar. But when you become in the dark in a place that's unfamiliar, you usually are a little bit more standoffish, if not apprehensive about even trying to go that way. Absolutely. And so what the chamber says is like we can be the light in this dark space. We can help illuminate and bring to light and bring forth some of the things that we know would help sustain our economy, not only just now, but we're thinking 10, 20, 20, 30 years down the line, especially as globalization becomes more of a conversation and the dynamics of our community starts to change. So that was that was the goal that we laid out in the beginning. Makes perfect sense. And, you know, and it it's an issue that I think, you know, we're all facing it in our homes and our businesses and our social worlds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think and you could probably agree with that the tendency is probably you have to acknowledge there's an issue before Correct. you can change it. And I think a lot of people just, well, don't blame me mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. issue. And mm-hmm. I think people get, that's where the defense comes from. Because you have to own that there's a problem and that's admitting something. Right. But sometimes I think that we're limited in our perspective because owning a problem doesn't always have to be a negative thing. Thank you. And I think that becomes the beauty of it. You know, and I, I, I'm a, I am a, um, not by any far stretch of the ma- any far stretch of the imagination, am I professional in my attempts to be a gardener? But I like to garden, right? 
I love nature. Right. And I learned so many principles from nature. Mm-hmm. And when I think about, I had a challenge with my rose bush, right. And I had a challenge in the rose bush because number one, I didn't understand the different types of diseases that could impact the leaves and I would get beautiful blooms, but only part of it was blooming. Then I read about deadheading it and I was like, okay, uh-huh. yeah, let me go deadhead. And then I'm thinking that the bush was going to, you know, magnify and put out some more blooms. And it was just like, oh, it was kind of dismal. And then I, I read another book that said you need to prune at certain times of the year than others. And so I found myself in different seasons having to tweak it. And so last year it was amazing. And while I own the fact, that I'm not a good gardener, that's negative. Some people like, you should have just given it up. I had to recognize <laughs> that I had some deficiencies in order to get a beautiful product in the end. And I think our lives are similar in that same way. Absolutely. That it's not always negative. Sometimes you have to own it. You have to recognize where you're inefficient and that you need support and you need help because you miss out on the chance to create something beautiful if you don't really own it. I'm with you on that. So, hey, so I, I, I like to be able to reframe my thinking oftentimes to make sure I'm not missing out on the opportunity mm-hmm. for something great, something beautiful, something magnificent in the end. I like that viewpoint. You know, it's funny. We actually we talk about that at the bank and then even with my at home with my wife and kids, that tendency, you know, to operate in a gotcha culture. Like one mm-hmm. thing we talk about here is. Let's not run from the challenges out of fear of trying to assign blame to how we got here. Let's mm-hmm. use the opportunity as a to grow, mm-hmm. just like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think if we can get past the whose fault is it that we're in this boat, well, we're all in the boat. You know, so we got, let's, let's, start let's, running. let's start running. Like, listen, my family is a family of faith, and I was taught God uses everything, so I can use everything too. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. Now, you know. Talking about the DEI stuff, that's one thing. That's one area where you're involved. Uh, I'm fortunate that I get to see another area where you're involved, being on the Leadership Albany board. I know that's a new thing to you, uh, but we're super excited to have you with us. And so talk to me a little bit about, you know, that's a thing that you get asked to do, but you don't have to say yes. So talk to me a little bit about that and how that sort of lines up in in a very similar way. Okay, yeah. So listen, you're right. When you get asked to do things, Sometimes you have to take a pause because sometimes you can get over. I don't even know the word to articulate how I felt in that moment, but I definitely was humbled. And you don't want to have an inflated ego, I guess is the best way to say it. It's like, oh, they asked me to do it. Like, yeah, I want to make sure that I'm intentional in my engagements. And so when I first got the call, I was deeply humbled that you even think enough to me to ask and grateful for the opportunity. But I asked for a moment to just consider it. And it's funny because in another meeting, nobody, I had disclosed to nobody that I had had this conversation, had been asked to consider joining the board. And I'm in a meeting. And during this meeting, I kind of got a call to action because the person that was leading the conversation was saying, you know, as a leader, who are you helping that's coming behind you? Are you creating a pipeline to leadership? And and what are you pouring into the generation behind you? Now, I've always been involved with my children, my daughters, they all of their friends. You know, I'm, I'm that supportive mom. I'm, I've been the dance mom, the soccer mom. I've been that. And I still have kids calling me mama that are in college and are adults. Right. So I've always been in that space. And I thought, well, gosh, wow, what an opportunity that I can actually sit in a position 
and see a different purview of the leadership that's coming Mm -hmm. and make relationship, create relationships with those that are learning. And then I reflected for a moment, like when you were in your early 20s, mid 20s, early 30s, sometimes you feel like you didn't have that support, right? Yep. So why would you not take the opportunity to add some support, some value to somebody's life, help mentor them, um, share things that were a help to you? And so after that meeting, I was like, yeah, God, there's nothing coincidental about this. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Nope. And I said, so you so um, you're going to have to create space in my calendar for me to do this. And so then I had some things shift and I called the person that called me and asked me to consider it. I called him back and I said, hey, you know, some things have shifted and I think it creates enough space for me to be able to commit to this. I don't take opportunities that I can't bring my full self to. I'm not in it for a title or a position. I'm in it to serve. And I would not accept it without having that at the core of my availability. Sure. And so they agreed. And, and I said, so let's pull the trigger and move forward. So that's why I'm at the table at Leadership Albany. That's why that I, I, I'm in it. And I come to the program committee meetings because I want to be able to see, you know, the the leaders and the talent that Albany has, because, you know, it's not all about, um, you know, where you are in your journey, but it's making sure you have conversations that are of conversations of impact to help the person further their journey. Absolutely. And so without that, I was kind of in my own silo. I did not have an opportunity to have a, a deeper reach. And so for that purpose, I said, yeah, I'm serving that area. You know, it's funny when you when you're saying that. I, for some reason, I immediately started thinking about twelve step programs. <laughs> I know. But the deal with a twelve step program is you can't really achieve what you're trying to achieve until you get to the final step, which is being that resource to the next person in line. Wow! And that's when things start to get beautiful. So I would have made the argument that we don't really become true leaders until we be, are willing to train the next leader. Wow! You know that. I would have never drawn that analogy, but you're absolutely right, Brad. You're absolutely right. It's all about, it's not how big you can grow. It's how many people you can grow. And that's the, that's the new mind shift or mindset that I've, I've kind of been operating with. It's not about how many trees can you produce Jaretha by yourself. It's how many people can you help them produce their own trees, yep. right? Um, and then we have this big growth. And again, like I said, I don't like to use agriculture because I don't want anybody to think that. I'm, I do want to get more into that That when I, when I fade back. You're just speaking the language of South Georgia. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that and um, I, 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 I'm going to take that because I've never had that analogy. But that 12 steps is like it's like yeah, the final step. It's like the final. It's the final. <laughs> I'm sorry. People don't know that side of me. I like to cut up and have a good time, too. I need more of that on being the bank. <laughs> well, Sometimes we get a little too serious around here. Right. Exactly. And folks who really know me know that, like, dude, you're really not that serious. <laughs> It's humanism. And I think that sometimes is, a, is something that's missed out on. Absolutely. It, it, it's the factor that helps us to know that we're relatable, we're approachable. And though we do things on an elevated position, we're still human. We're still people. Absolutely. I still can fumble this ball. Right. I make mistakes every day. We make mistakes every day. Uh, I had to own a big one, as a matter of fact, in a big sales meeting the other day when I basically put it out there to my team that, 
you know, here we are always talking about opportunities and being resources to mm-hmm. everybody. And I found out over the weekend, I got two buddies. One's buying another buddy's house. And I didn't even know this was happening. But I got to thinking it's because I never told them. Mm-hmm. I never let them know, hey, mm-hmm. I'm here if you need me. You know, and so to me, it's about seizing opportunities, about owning it and being willing to bail and grow. And, you know, you know, I'm glad you said that, because that that's kind of key and core with the DNI statement, too. It's the conversation. Sometimes we can be a resource and people need us, but they don't know us need us. They need us because they don't even know we exist. Right. And that's sometimes the conversation that I have with people. It's like, oh, what's that diversity, equity, inclusion thing? I don't know what that is. They don't know that they need it. Yep. But then I make them aware. Do you know the demographics <laughs> of Albany? Yeah. Do you know about technology and globalization? Yep. Right. So, so I think as humans, we have to do a better job of sharing with people what we do. And I get it. Now, I'm Southern thread. <laughs> And my mother raised me right. <laughs> and she taught me, you be humble. Yep. You don't boast, you don't brag. And I get it. But if I can take this liberty and just share that I'm a believer in Christ. And he shared frequently what he came to do and what his purpose was. Mm-hmm. He came to save, seek, and serve and find the lost. And so I think he's the ultimate example of humanity and that if we can tell our story similarly, like, this is what I do. I'm not boasting and bragging about it. So your friends, absolutely, you own that, Brad, because your friends need to know what you do for this bank because you need to be the first person when they get into a financial situation. They're calling you or your administrator or whoever supports you to say, hey, I got this situation and I know Brad does this stuff, right? So I think, and I own that too, right? Because people ask me all the time, like, what do you do? (laughs) Well, and actually it's funny, I I reached out to the one guy and I was like, man, I I feel like I dropped the ball on this. And I just wanted to let you know, no pressure or anything like that. And oddly, his response was, I didn't want to bother you. Wow. You know, so it was sort of like, and it reminded me back when, you know, I was waiting tables at Applebee's and stuff, you know. My friends didn't want to ever sit in my section. But then I found out it's because they didn't want to bother me. Yeah, I was busy working. I was taking care of other stuff. Wow. You know, it's just a matter of how you think about it. And, and sometimes you got to get hit in the side of the head because you just you. don't see it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to definitely grow to that because you do. You don't want to be an imposition. And I mean, if I can just be candid and honest, most times it's because you don't want to hear the word no sure. that you're not able to help. So it's like that self There's a little bit of that. <laughs> That's that little self-protection part that that comes into play. Like, yeah, I don't want him to tell me no. And I and we we eloquently say this that you know I just don't want to imposition our friendship. I don't yeah. ever want that line to get blurred across. And but if we're really honest, it does sting sometimes if you reach out to a friend and they can't help you. But it doesn't mean that they don't want to. Maybe they just can't. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they just can't. <laughs> I don't do. I don't, I don't. I'm not a mortgage original. Listen, but I know about them. Yeah, I gladly there you advise go. you. Listen, I, I understand. I like football, but I can't throw like Tom Brady or Dan. <laughs> Perfect example. Right. Perfect example, Mr. Ethan. Now, circling back to, you know, that idea of community involvement and that idea of sort of being called really to prepare the way for others, for the next group. 
this is something that seems to be a recurring theme. You know, I was reading some of the stuff that was in the Chamber magazine about you. And, you know, I have the pleasure of working with three people who were longtime co-workers of yours. And I just, you know, I hear all this great stuff about who you are. But the one thing that just continues to bubble up and, you know, what we started talking about is your desire to do things in the community, mm-hmm. in this community. Talk, talk to me a little bit about how we came to love this community so much. Oh, wow. You know. Because <laughs> you didn't start here, right? I didn't, well, so kind of, sort of, right? So. My parents made the decision for me, right? So this is one of those parental decisions. Uh-huh. I came here probably kicking and screaming in 89. We were originally um, living in Savannah. So I, I was familiar with Albany, by the way. This is my mother's birthplace. And so my okay. grandparents were here. We would come for family functions and events. And I remember the, I call it awful day then. I used to call it awful probably up until the past 10 years. But I remember the day my parents <laughs> set me down, set my, set my brothers and uh, set us down and, um, said, we're about to move. And I move where? I'm thinking we're moving across town. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we're moving across town. And I was like, we're moving to Albany, Georgia. And they had been working doing that parent stuff behind the scenes. And, you know, I was thinking that we were just coming to Albany to visit my grandma a little bit more. And they're really looking for a house and all that other stuff and job interviews and stuff. And I was angry. I was like, well, how dare you? Like I was just in the school play and now I've had all these friends that I've got to leave. And, yeah. and oh my gosh, I was just devastated. So what moving here, it was, it was a bit of a challenge, but one of the things that kind of helped me quickly see that this was the place that I needed to be was how the people received me and treated me. Gotcha. My teachers embracing me as a new student, giving me opportunities, um, sharing with me things that would make it easier for me, how to you know become friends with people here in South Georgia. I mean, Savannah's in the South, true, but the culture and the way of true. living was a lot different. In fact, I used to get teased on how I taught when I first got here because <laughs> uh, I still sounded like that old Southern. <laughs> well, no, Savannah has a with different- a little bit of coastal. <laughs> Savannah got a bit of Geechee. So <laughs> listen. <laughs> you get me and, and I go home and visit my family and I feel right at home. Um, so I used to get teased on how I sounded. It just was not an easy transition, but my teachers were so loving. They embraced me. They 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 nurtured my love for reading and to just help serve them. So then quickly I became comfortable in that area. And it just was a series of events. So then when I get to high school, I mean, when I'm, I'm getting Going through high school, I had a teacher share with me an opportunity and because I wanted to help her out and she was in a situation, needed somebody on her math league, right? So I've always had at the core of me of help and, and serving and she needed somebody on her math team and math just happens to be one of the things that were a strong suit for me. And so I said, sure, I'll help you out. And during that time frame, I met some other people and said, hey, let me introduce you to this professor at Albany State. And her name was Dr. Lois Banks Hollison. For whatever reason, she just, you know, gravitated towards me and and she and we she said, you need to do this program and do this program. And so because of my conversations with her, I was like, okay, well, Albany State may not be a bad place for me to land. And so I stayed and then I just met person after person and people after people that kind of said, okay, do this, do this, do this. And then, you know, I was working at another bank and um those opportunities just kept coming around. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I don't have to leave Albany to pursue what I 
think might be a good career. It might, might happen for me here. And by that time, I had my one of my, my oldest daughter, and I was like, and I definitely don't want to put her through the experience <laughs> of what I went through being yanked out of school and, 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 and coming here. So I definitely am very conscious, probably a little bit more super sensitive about that sure. than anything because it, I had that experience and it was real for me. And so I said, let me just make the decision. I, I believe I can have everything that I want right here in Albany, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And that those opportunities can come to me right here from Albany, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And it's what you say and what you believe in. It's actually starting just. We got the power to make it happen. Make it Once happen. we make up our mind that we're going to do it. Yeah. But then, I mean, it's like, but so many other great people from bef- before me have come from here. Absolutely. We just don't talk about them enough. Nope. Well, that's the reason you and I are sitting here today doing Beyond the Bank podcast, because there's not enough conversation going on about the good stuff. We got to remind folks. Dorita, how, let me ask you this. What grade were you in? How, about how old when you moved here from Savannah? I, I was nine. I'll never forget it. Um, they, they, I said they yanked me out of my Christmas. We moved over the Christmas holiday because my parents were strategized not pulling us out of school during the sure. middle of the year. So they pulled us out over Christmas break. So, yeah. I was uh, 10. When my parents moved me here. Oh, so we have enough. Some- my parents from New Jersey. Oh, wow. <laughs> moved me here from the Gulf Coast to landlocked Albany. Wow. And promptly stuck me in the uh, Catholic school yeah. that I, and I went to Catholic. So I had nuns <laughs> and uniforms. And so I, I, I feel you. So listen, so you say landlocked, right? So one of the things that I enjoyed about Savannah, I mean, we had seafood all the time. Yeah. When, I moved, when I moved here, it was tradition at our house. Friday nights we had fries. We had fried um, shrimp. Saturdays we had raw oysters. And so when we moved here, I'm like, well, why are we having shrimp and oysters? Like you can't get that here. Like what? Like so now I can't. I, I leave my friends. I don't have my Friday and Saturday night traditions. The food here sucks. There's no seafood. Listen, I still don't eat seafood in Albany. I've been here thirty <laughs> years because I remember going with my parents, like to the where the boats came in to get our shrimp right off the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we lived outside mm-hmm. of Pensacola. My grandfather was a longshoreman, so I was very familiar with the river. Lived down there. My grandmother um, peddled vegetables along the river. So yeah. Coming to Albany was almost like a culture shock for me. One of the things as a child that I, I used to love about Savannah, I'm not Catholic, but I enjoyed St. Patrick's Day because it became a whole event in Savannah. Sure. And when we moved to Albany and had to come to school on St. Patrick's Day, I'm like, what kind of people are y'all? <laughs> but, but, you know, again, you know, every city has their, th- every city has their uniqueness, right? Yep. And so I've learned and come to appreciate Albany. I've stopped saying, when people ask me, so where are you from? I used to say, I'm from Savannah, Georgia. So now when people say, where are you from? I say, I'm from Albany, Georgia. Me too. So it's it's been like a, a sweet release. Like, yeah, I was born in, in Savannah and that's where my roots are, but I'm from Albany yep. because I was shaped and formed. So from this community. Kindred spirit right here. See. Took me a long time to get to that point. Oh, I mean, I see. Well, clearly in my 20s, coming back. My right? brother from another mother. Yep. I, I, I feel you. We're on that same plane. Yeah. And, and, you know, I wish I could spread that feeling to others who maybe felt like I did when I was 17, 18 years old about this place and <laughs> help them understand it's, that is not the community that, that you is think not. it is. You know, Brad, if I can interrupt you. It's, it's even a conversation, not just to those that move here, but to the people that are born here. I had a conversation with my neighbor the other day, and um, he was he was a neighbor that just hadn't moved into the neighborhood and was a new neighbor. And I said, so where are you from? He said, I'm from Albany, unfortunately. I said, well, unfortunately, <laughs> Albany's a great place. And by the way, you just bought a home here. Yeah. <laughs> so help me understand why would you put that? Why would you why would you help 
spread that. Yeah. If this is the place you choose, like nobody's forcing you to live here. It's crazy. You you choose here and you chose here for a reason. Yeah. So find that reason why you're here and let's help elevate that conversation. You said you love your house. You love the neighborhood. Why not? You, yeah. you you landed in a place that you could you can have a good living and provide a living for your family and a, and a good lifestyle. And that's why I'm here. Meanwhile, <laughs> you this you probably could say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You meet people who have come from other places to Albany and they're Love new it. and they can't stop talking about how wonderful it is Love and it. how they want to tell all their friends and relatives back in Illinois and California, New Jersey. Hey, come down here where the people are great and the weather's good. Love it. So to that point, I have a cousin that moved away from Albany. He came back for a visit and I said, let's go down. Let's go walk. And he said, walk where? And so we went down to the um, Flint River Walk and we walked the trail and we got back to the top. And he said, Jaretha, I've kind of lived all over the world. Does Albany even realize what they have down here with this river walk? Like, there haven't been many people that walked alongside us. I said, no. He's like, big cities wish they had just a quiet place to retreat to come and walk. He's like, man, every time I'm coming home, he's like, I'm telling you, cousin, I'm coming down yeah. here. It's like, I'm glad I was able to introduce you to this. He's like, I just can't believe something like this is right here in Albany, Georgia. Yep. So there's just so many different things. And I just have that conversation. I share. I think we each one reach one. So I listen. I promote it as much as I can. That's a beautiful thing, Jerry. That really is. Now, you've made the comment a couple of times, and you've certainly shown in your actions and in, in the, your time here. Uh, obviously, you wouldn't be part of the DEI task force and sitting on leadership Albany boards and doing all these things if you weren't active. Uh, and if there wasn't, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. But even telling a story about being a young person here and, you know, talking about feeling compelled to give back, feeling compelled to do for others. You may, you know, preparing the way for others, mm-hmm. looking at the next generation. And it doesn't sound like that's something that just popped in your head in your mid twenties. That sounds like something that's pretty no. well ingrained. Where does that come from? That understanding of, that you have to help. You know, I guess my foundation, that that's a core belief for me. And, and it's my family. And that's one of the things I love about the Albany community. It's, it's the, the family orient, it's orientation here. You know, um, my family has always been that. My mother would cook, cook big meals with the expectation that we would bring home friends and it would be enough to share. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, tell you a story. It's, <laughs> it's, it's funny because this is one of the things that helped me to remember to always be mindful of others. We had a friend that lived in the neighborhood that um, that came over. Well, my brother played basketball um, for Monroe and he was at practice and the, the kid came over and I was like, he's not here. My brother's not here. And so he he says, well, I was just wondering if I could just have dinner with him and and, and your mom always cooks. And, and she said I could come over anytime. And I was like, well, my brother's not here. And so my mom calls out and she's like, who's at the door? And I tell her, and she said, tell him to come on in. Jason will be home soon. So um, sure enough, my brother comes home soon. And we, my mom was very, very traditional in the fact that we had to sit to the dinner table and she put out family style bowls and we'd sit and pass the bowl and eat. And it was my night for dishes. Right. And I was upset because I had an extra place <laughs> that I had to do the dishes and we didn't have a dishwasher. We had to put my old, old school soapy water in the sink. Right. Palm olive. And, palm olive. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and joy on some occasions, but um, joy and Palmolive sent maybe into some money. But anyway, so, <laughs> um, anyway, so what what I was at the scene, and I was like, I wouldn't have all these extra dishes if you know he hadn't stopped over. And I mind you now, I'm, I'm a young child, sure. but it was a plate, a cup, and maybe a fork, right? And my mom heard me grumbling. So she comes up and she stands to me and she and she begins to shape a conversation about why you should help people and why you should serve. And if God has blessed you in any capacity to give, why you should freely give it back. Mm -hmm. So then I start thinking like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, she shared with me some things that I had not considered in my my immature mind. Right. And I said, I felt bad. And then I thought, well, God, who am I to have something and not be willing to share it if it's going to help somebody? And I think about a conversation I had with another community champion, Mary Beth. And she said, you know, when you hear about people and where they are and then you don't do anything about it, then that says, what kind of person are you really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I've always had that conversation standing at the sink with my mother as a reminder of before I decide not to do something, let me think through, do I have the capacity or the skill or the resource to help somebody? Yep. And if I do and I don't do it, shame on me. Uh, absolutely. And so that, so basically to answer your question in a, in a, in a long way, mm-hmm. My family, my mother, those kitchen sink talks, those drives home from school, um, my grandmother coming over, learning how to bake pound cakes and chocolate cake and and pecan pies and or pecan pies and see that 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 happens when you're from it's Savannah. In my world. See, I, I've had to wear two hats because like when I go home, they don't say certain things in certain ways, so I have to make sure I'm. I'm comfortable in both spaces, but, you know, sitting at the, at, learning from my grandmother, how to make homemade biscuits. We'd have these kind of conversations and she would make things to give away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she worked at Phoebe. And so when she would have, you know, Christmas, she would make her coworkers cakes and pies. And of course I, she'd recruit me cause I'm the kid. And <laughs> she'd tell me we're doing all this. And I would ask her like, so which one is ours? And she's like, none of them. And I was like, okay, I just stood over a hot stove in a hot kitchen and none of these are mine. But then when people would receive them and she'd take me with her to take them and drop them off to her friends. And they were like, oh, Sal, those are so, you're so thoughtful. You're so kind. We didn't have anything for dessert. I don't know how to do this. And just to watch my grandmother and the joy would bring her. And I was like, yeah, there's more to it than what's just in it for me. Yep. And so. That's pretty cool that you were able to learn that. And that you had that kind of, you know, environment to grow up in. Yeah. I think, you know, my life, my upbringing was very similar. It was very open and very loving and very, we're going to learn about our position on the planet in relation mm-hmm. to everybody else's position. I mean, coming here from up north, there was a lot of that, mm-hmm. like culture shock stuff. Like we didn't realize people lived like that or that, you know, that people could treat others this this way, you know, so. <laughs> I think that's the very reason you say yes to things like getting on the leadership Albany board because you realize not everybody had that environment. You know, I listened to my grandfather. I lost him last year. He was 101 years old. Wow. Right. Huge blessing. I, I, I miss him. And there's not a moment that I don't think about some of his stories. And one of the stories that he was, he shared with me when he was a time he was a janitor at Albany State. And he would share with me 
the importance of making sure that he properly destroyed documents because he worked in the president's um, office and, and, and how important his role is. And then I remember stories my grandmother would share with me. She worked in central sterilization at Phoebe and how important her making sure those utensils were, were clean for the surgeon and, and what bad things could happen if mm-hmm. she just didn't do her job right. And I think about my opportunity to make sure that I'm just treating people right, no matter how they look. Mm-hmm. what they do or where they come from yeah. because my family that was rooted in Albany, right? Mm-hmm. They experienced that and they made sure like, no matter what you need to learn to treat people, right? People may look at our jobs as menial, yeah. but our jobs are important. Yeah. And, and and they would, they would elevate that conversation to me. It's like, this is how it's important. So don't ever let anybody tell you what I you do is not important. I just Who you that. are is not important. And so that's what I teach other people. What you say to yourself does matter. Yes, it does, Jaretha. Yes, it does. You know, well, I mean, if you're if we're not taking, if we're not growing inside and being willing to be open to be changed for the better, I mean, how mm-hmm. in the world can we do have a positive impact outside of ourselves? That's correct. You know, how could you? And then, so, how do your neighborhood? How is your neighborhood going to grow and be good and beautiful? And you know, we always want the best, but we don't want to work at it. <laughs> This is a this is a generation of convenience, and I well, get it. You, your mom, you know all yeah. about it. I mean, there are things that go on in my house every day. I'm just like, man, is this? Are we going to pay for this down the road? Mind blowing. Yeah, no, good gravy. Well, Dreth, I, I feel like I've taken up a lot of your time, and uh, so I don't want to you know belabor this or anything. But mm-hmm. you know, before we wrap up, give me an idea. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity. Uh, you know, we've talked about a few of the things you've been involved with in the past, in the present. What other stuff are you kind of thinking about? Are there any other initiatives that are near and dear to your heart that you're devoting time with that you just want to remind the communities going on? Wow, Brad. I don't think that I'm prepared to even answer that really right now. That's so futuristic. I'm kind of like just, listen, I just got this torch. <laughs> you're already telling me, have you identified what you're going to do while you're holding it and running it? I think about the 96, 96 Olympics and when I was fortunate enough to kind of see the torch and I understand how that thing is heavy, right? And then to be able, what are you going to do to build up the stamina? So I think about that, that statement. Some of the things that I'm doing right now are torch holding. And the things that I've done over the past 20 years was the conditioning that I needed to kind of hold this torch. But who I'm actually preparing to pass it off to, who and what that looks like, I'm not really sure. So I want to reserve the opportunity to come back and share that with you. Um, But right now, the muscles that I'm using with that torch and I'm inviting people along for the run to see the see how it ends and it it finishes is is leadership development, people development, making sure we don't overlook anyone. So I I have a passion for serving others in the homeless community and feeding people Um, and children. Right. I have two daughters and I love having the opportunity to have dialogue with with children for a couple of reasons. Number one, so they don't forget. I think sometimes we overlook the opportunity to impact our memory. And sometimes when you forget things, when you get to a hard place, you don't have that memory muscle to help make you push forward. And so I like to have a conversation and a voice with those that are younger than me. To help save them some time, mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate the wisdom that my grandparents brought to the table. To you know, I sometimes feel like it was almost too late because sure. they, were, they were older in age, right? Yeah. And so I like to kind of be that relevant voice 
for young people right now. There's just so many different changes that are happening so fast. And I share this with my children that while you can Google everything, you can't Google the experience and the wisdom that comes from having walked through it. Yep. Google doesn't tell you if you don't mix the cake batter in a certain way or if you overbeat it, that the cake is going to be dense and it's not going to capture its moisture. Mm-hmm. All it's going to show you is the recipe. Yep. But it's the experience that tells you when you need to turn off the mixer, because if you overbeat that batter, that's not going to be a good cake. Oh, you need to make sure that the ingredients that are wet are folded in at what speed and what rate of speed, because you want every morsel of that cake to be good. So there is opportunity for me to have that conversation I with young it. women to let them know, yeah, you can Google everything. You can take every master class that you want to, but until you have somebody that's actually walked through it, that can tell you. And when you experience that emotion, because you will, mm-hmm. and Google's not going to tell you that, uh-huh. this is some things that you may want to consider to employ to help you get through that moment. And so I'm passionate about young people and, and, and helping them moving the needle, like you said, further, faster, mm-hmm. so we can you know, build a better community. I love that. So I appreciate the time you've given me, Brad. You're like my new friend for real. <laughs> well, Jaretha, <laughs> I'm I'm so glad to hear that because just sitting here listening to you talk and then just the conversations we had leading up to this, um, you know, I couldn't have picked a better person to come in and sit down with me today. I, I love meeting another kindred spirit that gets it, that sees it, mm-hmm. that is not afraid to teach somebody how to fish. Yeah. Even though they're busy trying to fish for themselves. Too. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. We're in the business of multiplication around here, bro. This is the beginning. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You know, it's it's a great time, you know, to, I'm going to steal a line from Dot Hubbard. It's a great day in Albany, Georgia. It's a great day in Albany, Georgia. You know, and we can do a lot of things today mm-hmm. to make this community the place we want it to be. Absolutely. You know, and. And, uh, and I approve that message. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I'm just glad that I got to meet another person who's, who's wanting to fight that fight and, and put in the work and effort and just know that. You know, I'm here to do anything I can do to help. And this will absolutely not be the last time that you're going to be on Beyond the Bank because we're going to have lots of uh, exciting triumphs in our community. Absolutely. Lots and lots and lots of victories this way. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank Jaretha for coming in today. And I want to thank all the loyal listeners of Beyond the Bank. You're the reason that we want to make this stuff happen. And this is the community that we love and we want to continue to support and uh, just hope that uh, we can continue to do that well into the future. So without, with further ado, we're signing off.